Welcome to another episode of Chieftain Roll Call. Hope that you had a great spring break if you're a Bell Fountain student or family. Now we're back into the swing of things. We record our show every late Wednesday afternoon on the Bell Fountain High School campus in the WBCS studios. I'm Bill Tipple along with longtime teacher and coach Rick Reed and Bell Fountain High School Key Club member and student athlete Jack Varner. This show is put together by the Key Club. Rick also really laid the foundation back at the beginning of this calendar year. And what we do is we talk Bell Fountain athletics and we spotlight student organizations as well. Our show is presented each week by Easton Water Solutions, and even though we record late Wednesday afternoon, it comes out for all of us to listen to typically on Thursday or Friday, thanks to Aaron Greger and his class, the WBCS students, for making this happen as well. Guys, welcome back. I know there's always a lot to talk about. We're going to talk some Bluffountain spring sports. The baseball team spent their spring break in Myrtle Beach, Florida, and they played really hard teams right now. Coach Hoag's team is 1-4. and four. I think that record is very deceptive. We'll also talk about name, image, and likeness, as that's a big state issue right now. It's a national issue when we look at college sports, but it's a state issue right now when it comes to Ohio high school athletes. But we'll, we'll start with that, name, image, and likeness, then we'll transition into Bell Fountain Spring Sports. The track team's off to a fast start as well. But, Coach Reed, I know you're a pretty opinionated guy. What's your opinion on name, image, and likeness? It's a layered opinion. I, you could probably have guessed that. Uh, first of all, politically, I'm a person that always wants just about anything to be legal that, you know, anything feasibly that can be legal, I'd like it to be legal. I, I think people should be able to do the things they want to do, um, make money where they can within reason. So on that end of it, I say if a high school kid, whether – he or she's 13 or he or she's 18, can make a buck off of a commercial or uh, an image, then go for it. I, I don't see why being an athlete would stop you. As a person that loves high school athletics and as a coach, I think that it is a disaster if it passes. Really? Why so? Well, I talked to Jack a little bit before the show. Um, I don't think just for the record, I don't think it would affect us much at all. Like, I don't think there's that much money in high school athletes advertising for businesses. I, I, I think if it passed tomorrow, we at Belfountain High School would not be flooded with local businesses saying, we've got to sign these kids to, to advertisement deals. There's just no return on your buck. I don't think there's much return on your buck at really any level of high school sports other than the elitist of the elite. Certainly when LeBron James was in high school, I think where it goes to immediately is recruiting. So the example I use with Jack is locally, if we have an elite, elite football player, um, someone that is going big-time Division One, and it could be any sport, but I'll say football just because that's what we do. If you are Dublin Kaufman, uh, Dublin Scioto, Dublin Jerome, Marysville even, uh, anywhere that is a little bigger, and they have, let's say, a kid – on the team's dad owns the the Honda dealership, and he's got plenty of money to burn. And he says, hey, that Bell Fountain kid, I'd like to see him move to Dublin. What, what would stop that? Like, I, I don't know that anything would be able to stop it because you would have the, the ability as a business to sign a deal, right? I, I don't think that would be legal. Hey, man, I'd like to see you uh, come to – you know, be a, a, a spokesperson for my business. Now, wink, wink, we need you to move here. And I think that would, I don't think that would affect us very often. Um, I think it would affect 
other schools, though. If you go down to Dayton where you've got a few big-time programs in Wayne and Centerville, what would stop those guys from fighting for the best players with money? Nothing would stop it. I'm going to give a counterpoint, then we'll get the jack. I'm amazed, though, that the name, image, and likeness has taken so long to take off. That's my perspective, so I'm going to counterpoint you a little bit. I'm talking more in college. I mean, it took, it took a long time, I think, in my opinion. I'm surprised it didn't happen 15, 20 years ago, especially with the Internet and social media and things like that. But I say to, to – um, I see your point where it could be a problem, and it could be a, 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 an administrative disaster if you're like a principal in AD, the OHSAA. I get that. But also, isn't that free enterprise? That's America where you go with whatever's the best deal with you. Now, that might not be very loyal. The reason you don't make that move if you're a big-time Mofound player and you don't go to Dublin or Marysville is I still think, and Jack can give an answer on this, I still would guess the high school athletes have some loyalty with the guy that they played football with since, like, third grade. That, that's why you don't leave. Sure, yeah, yeah, I don't. I'm not even commenting on whether someone would or wouldn't. And politically, like I said, when you're looking at it from when you're saying free enterprise, I'm with you. I agree. Like That's America. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I believe in free choice. You should go where you want, um, whether it's a player, a coach, whatever, an employee. Um, but it does but throw money as, into the equation. Right, I as a guy, you... though, that loves high school athletics, it's it's no different college. I'm, I'm saying the same thing about the NCAA. I think those guys and girls should be paid, but you see the transfer portal. I don't think it's sustainable. I think it's going to affect the popularity of the sport. And that's fine. You know, I don't blame the kid. I don't blame the organization. Just I don't know that it's sustainable. Well, it's hard to get good rules. That's, I think, where college sports are at right now. I understand why they like the NIL deals, why they make sense. But there's not a whole lot of regulations to it. It's really kind of, okay, here's the here's the field and go play. There's no rule book per se. Jack, what's your take on it as an athlete? You're a sophomore both out in high school. If we had a LeBron James here that played – football with for the Chiefs or basketball for the Chiefs, that's where I think Rick's right. If you get an, a great player, like somebody that's known across America, that's where it gets a little dicey. What's your opinion on it, John, Jack? Yeah, I don't think it's really good for any small school. I don't think it's bad necessarily for any small school, but I don't think there's going to be people lining up being like, oh, let's get this Bow Fountain kid and sponsor McDonald's, especially not a center from Bow Fountain. I'm probably out on the sponsorship <laughs> deals. But well, I don't know. You're a pretty well-known guy around Bow Fountain High. So. <laughs> yeah. I think you should talk to Rob Richards at Vicarious. That's where he works. And well, yeah, I'm a pizza man. I mean, that's, it doesn't have to be money. It could be a free pizza, like, every Friday night after the game. I, I kind of like that. I mean, could we get, like, a five-star athlete down here if we give him a few, few Vicarious pizzas each day? Yeah. Is that, is that realistic? Well, I think we probably have to up the ante, but, yeah. All right. Start. Now, Rick said before the show he thinks the principals, because principals around Ohio will vote on this, I think the deadline is May 16th, so we'll touch on this in a few weeks on Chief and Roll Call. You think they'll vote no? My guess is, and I, I, don't, have, I don't have anything to base this on, I think they'll vote for it. Why? Because they see what, what it's like with college. I think the high school, college follows the pros in general on things. High schools follow college. What's the see- benefit to any principal? Like Dr. Nathan and... What, what, how does she, I mean, she has to make that decision. What is the benefit to her? I don't know if it's a benefit to her or the other principals around the state. I think the way it will be sold and maybe presented is it's a benefit to the high school athlete, the students. Is it? Well, you're just talking about Jack getting free pizzas after every game. And and we're being facetious because I do think, and certainly I don't think anybody has a problem if, if a local business wanted to help our kids out. 
I just don't think it's very realistic because I don't, at some point, first of all, our businesses get beat up nonstop for handouts for our, for all of our activities. So if you're a local business owner, our sponsor, Wes Easton, and uh, what, what bang for his buck would he get? I mean, I just don't think there's any athlete that you're going to say, yeah, if, if Wes gives them, you know, cause obviously he's going to give him some money. Say he gives him a thousand dollars. How's he going to recoup his thousand dollars other than just donating it? People aren't going to converge on Easton Water because Jack Varner uh, is the new sponsor of, of Easton Water. I just don't think. I think it's a little bit apples and oranges. Now I think in the NCAA, those guys are you know low level famous, and we've talked about this before. I don't think, and I, I would love to hear somebody talk about this NIL. My guess is across America, the majority of these college athletes aren't getting much. Now at Ohio State, different, but. You know, as a kid at Ball State, that's the third string center at Ball State in football, is he getting a lot? No. no. Agreed. So why would a Balfont High School athlete? Well, the get reason much? that they do is they let the market determine it. You Agreed. say you say it's open for fair game all across Ohio. And if the West Easton's of the world want to spend a thousand bucks or a hundred bucks, that's up to them as the business. Agreed. Owner. And politically I agree with that. Absolutely. Now I'm saying why would a principal if I'm a principal and if I put myself in Dr. Nate's shoes and I had to vote, on one side I would say yeah, politically, I kind of agree with free market. I agree with all that freedom of choice. But the flip side is, for Balfountain High School, our kids 99% of the time will not benefit. But the 1% where something does happen, we probably lose. Because it's unlikely that if someone is so – LeBron James is is somewhere born and, and uh, somewhere here in town, we're going to lose that battle. Now, you could say, yes, that, that – uh, that student athlete could stay and, and uh, I don't know. It's crazy. <laughs> well, I see your point. I, I don't know. It would be interesting to uh, uh, see how this pans out in the next four or five weeks. I'd love to get Dr. Nate on our show. I don't know if she'd tell us what her vote is. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say it like this. Here's, here's maybe a better way to, to put it because we're putting Dr. Nate kind of under the hot seat. If you were both a principal, and I know Jack's really young to be a high school principal. He's only a 10th grader. How would you vote? I think I probably would vote yes and just let the marketplace dictate itself. I'd vote no. I don't want to lose our LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to win football games. I like our LeBron Jameses. How about if you're the principal, Rick? I would be conflicted because right. I think the fair thing to do is vote yes. I think the unintended, unintended consequences of it are massive. And I think this is already afoot. I think that our culture is changing rapidly in high school and in college athletics. We have a model in the United States that's different than anywhere else in the world. And I'm a huge fan of it. I'm a huge fan of the school-based sports team model. You go to Europe, it doesn't exist. I think it's the fabric. Now, this is me being selfish because I want my culture to stay the same. Um, I'm at, you know, I'm saying, hey, my culture is better than one that, you know, someone else has. I don't want to see us lose that, and I feel like this is another chink in that just degradation of what we're doing here. Well, you both you both bring up some great points. I mean, if we did have a LeBron James here in Bell Fountain High, which is very low chances, but, you know, if it happened, would the Chiefs lose him to a Dublin Coffin? I, I'm not so sure they would. I know that's what you th- you're worried about, but I'm, I'm not so sure that would happen is my opinion. Maybe I'm being a little naive, but I, I, don't, I just don't, I don't buy that right now. I'd be more le- le- uh, worried about losing them to, like, IMG or something or even bigger than Dublin Kaufman. Like, if we really had a LeBron James 
and they and you know we can't offer them. You know our companies can't offer them three million dollars when a place like IMG literally could. Well, that's possible. Does it have to be LeBron James? I mean, we're going over the top with LeBron, but could it just be a similar situation where we have a really, really, really good player? CJ um, Stroud say he went to Bowfound High, and I yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely, and maybe even not that good. Um, someone that. Does it not open up, though, the purchasing of players, just in general? Because you don't have to be LeBron James for a crazy dad-slash-business owner to pay you to come transfer to their school. I mean, it, the right guy at the right school that has ex- a business and the means to do it, what's stopping that man or woman from buying a team? Well, the way you stop it is you vote no on this NIL proposal. You're right. But I think it's already out there some more than what we think about because it's been that way for a good 20 years. LeBron James's high school was an example. When they were in junior high, they all played AAU basketball together. I don't think they went to the same school. Then in high school, ninth grade, they're all, all of a sudden going to Akron, St. Vincent, St. Mary. So that, uh, that already is out there some, I think, yeah. where, they, where the kids know each other. I mean, I'm sure Jack knew other eighth graders that played football for you know, Urbana or Benjamin Logan because of, of the, the world that he lives in with social media and that kind of stuff. Yeah, he sure did <laughs> when he was in middle school. He, yeah. yeah, he knows all about this game. <laughs> so, And that's just an example. Other 10th grader, 11th graders from the Chiefs are going to know those guys in junior high when they played against them. I'm guessing. That's just how it Transferring absolutely happens, no doubt. And, and you're right. You know, that's that's a good point that maybe, maybe we're already there and people will go where they want to go. Uh, and maybe, because I'm, I, again, I'm not saying I don't, support it i just it's, you're not sure it's the best for the chiefs I'm That's not, where, well and i'm not sure and i'm the same way with ohio state like and i know ohio state benefits in their nil stuff but i don't like seeing a thousand guys in the transfer portal and i do though support player choice like um you know if a kid needs to go somewhere else i think they should be able to because coaches can but i also think that someday we'll look back and say man that didn't serve us well. Well, I got a transfer portal question for you. It's timely because a few Buckeyes in football and in basketball are leaving in the last few days. And Rick can speak this as a coach. He might be guessing, but he still will know better than I do or Jack does probably. Is it always that the kid that leaves or the coach decides you're just not good enough, so you're going to have to go to the transfer portal? Well, everything I've heard, and not that I'm in an insider, but I've talked to some people about it that have had players that have gone on and played bigger time sports that – a lot of times what happens is the coaches will say, look, this is where you're going to be. You know, you may have came here to be our starting safety. We'll talk about the Shaw kid from Ohio State. Shaw. You're our starting safety, but actually you're you're not going to be next year. Um, you are going to be down the depth chart. We don't really see a path for you to play. We, you know, we're still going to support you. You stay on scholarship, but just know that your pathway to playing is is closed. And then that usually takes care of it. So, you know, whether that's ethical or not, I think that's debatable. I think they're being honest, but at the same time, what stops them from just strong-arming people out the door all the time? Want well, to shift gears? It's uh, Chieftain Roll Call, segment one this week. It's our ninth episode. We'll talk to some of the Bell Fountain High School uh, amateur radio folks a little bit later on in our show today about what they have coming up later this month with NASA, really a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, I think, at Bell Fountain High. But something that's really fresh to is in the athletic world again is uh, what happened today with the CBC. If you're not a big follower of this or you don't know how the CBC was constructed years ago, there's 12 teams. The Kenton Trail Division is what I call the big school division. It's just bigger schools based on enrollment. Mad River, Mad River Division is the smaller side, the six smallest schools. And Rick has the news on what uh, 
certainly will interest a lot of the Bow Fountain athletic uh, folks. Yes, yeah, CBC executive board voted, uh, I believe, this morning to um, Springfield Shawnee appealed to move to the Mad River Division, swap with Urbana, uh, according to the bylaws, that when a school drops below the the top six, um, they should move down, and the highest of the bottom six should move up. So Urbana was the biggest school left in the Mad River Division. So starting not this coming year, but the 2023-2024, that's hard to say, um, season, Urbana will be on our side in the Kenton Trail, and Shawnee will go to the Mad River side. And I know you're a big football guy, but basically the way that it was explained to me is Urbana didn't want to play the Chiefs anymore uh, in the first few weeks, which is a non-league game, and you can kind of dictate your schedule there. So that left an opening for the Chiefs. The Chiefs in week uh, three, I believe, have licking heights now. Correct. So at least for one year. Two years. <laughs> Two years, okay. Um, you know, what's your, what's your opinion on it? Does it make sense? First, you like the bylaw, that the, the six big, six small – and do you understand why some schools want to get out of their non-league schedule like this happen? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the bylaw makes sense. Top six, you know, the biggest six and the smallest six. I, I was a little surprised that Shawnee pushed for it. When when I heard that rumor, I said, ah, I don't buy it. Um, I didn't realize that Shawnee was, was struggling in some sports that maybe I don't follow as much. Certainly in football, they're plenty competitive. Jack and I were talking about that, that, you know, Shawnee's right there um, with some of the best teams in our conference. But at the same time, the more I thought about it, if you're Rick Meeks and Shawnee, you know, what's it hurt to go down to the Mad River? Certainly the weaker of the two football-wise. Um, he gets to to avoid Jonathan Alder in London and um, possibly us. And then if he wants to load up in the first three weeks, he'd call Jonathan Alder London. He'd call us. I mean, um, so – it puts it in his court a little easier to win a league title. Um, everybody gets in the playoffs right now anyway. So, it, you know, I don't blame Shawnee. It, it is what it is. And, and you're not making that decision based on just football or even just basketball. You're doing all the sports. And uh, I know Urbana's – certainly Urbana's not happy. They voted no against it. Um, I don't think there was – that's any secret. It was 11-1. to 1 and But they couldn't stop it, though. No, either. they couldn't stop it. And Urbana did drop us in football. And, and, you know, I know Jack will comment on that. It bothered us. Um, I think we were pretty vocal that we didn't want to lose Urbana. We've played, uh, I think, 108 times, I believe. Uh, it's maybe the seventh, eighth most uh, meetings in OHSA history. The history means a lot to me. It means a lot to our players. Uh, they didn't want to play us anymore. They just said that they needed to uh, get some different teams on the front end. So the irony is we will take a break this year yeah. and then come back uh, Jack's senior year. Yeah, what's your perspective on that? Oh, I'm thrilled, ecstatic. Urbana has a history of dodging me and my team. They forfeited in middle school. Uh, really? They dodged us my freshman year. And then we uh, – we we beat them up this year, and then they just called it quits. They didn't want to play me anymore. Now you're, you know, I, I, the coach Reed's kind of getting a chuckle <laughs> here, but I didn't know junior high teams even forfeited. Well, when they're down by forty, they they called it quits at halftime. Oh well, yeah. I don't know if I call that a forfeit. But, well, it is. I mean, well, it's like you know, you're down by forty. They made a mercy rule. At least they came out and played part of the game. Bro, I thought they, they threw just, up the white flag. They didn't. Yes, want that's true. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, I hope we get them at home my senior year, and I hope we beat them by ninety. But. <laughs> I think this, this episode is going to make its way down to Champaign County at uh, some that's point. Okay. That's <laughs> yeah, okay. I know there's a little bit of, a little bit of angst there. But the thing about that, and, and I'm, I'm being serious, I know Jack's very passionate as a player, these rivalries or series are cyclical. And I know Rick loves to follow sports. You think about Michigan against Ohio State way back in the day. I'm talking like 1900. It was super one-sided. Urbana and Bell Fountain football, if you go to the 
70s and, and somewhat in the 80s. Now, Bellefontaine did win some games here at, at home, but Urbana really had their run for a long time over Bellefontaine for, a you know, maybe a 15-year window. Yeah, and that's that, that was the frustrating thing for me, and I've had these conversations at times with Urbana guys that and their coaches over the years because, you know, we've had this conversation going back probably a decade with some Urbana guys, and they can say, ah, you know, we just can't compete with you right now. Okay, yeah. I mean, maybe that's true right now, but again, I think that's short-sighted, and that's the term I would have used with them, that it does come around. And, and there will be times where, you know, so do we get to decide that, you, you know, when we're when, – There's people have been beating us up. I mean, Tip City for a long time beat us up. Uh, Wapak beat us up for a long time. Now you say, well, we did get rid of Wapak, but we, we didn't get rid of them. We got rid of them just because of the change in the schedule. But I, I – man – I think there's very few things in this world that you can date back to the 19th century, the late 1800s. 1897, I believe, was the first time the Chiefs and the Hill Climbers met on the gridiron. I value the heck out of that, and I wanted to see it go. And I would have said that, and you know this about me. Mm -hmm. They may not believe it, but if we were losing, I would say the same thing. It's too important. It's too historical. It's too valuable. I'm glad that we're going to get them back on the schedule. Now, I'm not naive to think that this is permanent. The thing that concerns me, and I don't have a problem saying this, I'm not maybe going to be as bold as Jack, but uh, <laughs> I do have concerns that our band's not going to be happy. They voted no, so you never want someone in your league to be disgruntled. They're obviously a little disgruntled right now. Um, we've seen these conferences shift over the years. I don't. I'm not saying that this leads to the next wave, but you know, I, I, there's always rumblings and. I don't want to see, and and I, you know, I I think we all know at Belfountain, those of us that kind of understand how these things work, a league affiliation is not as easy for us as it is other schools. We don't have an infinite number of options. We're a bigger school. We're not that big, but we're bigger than the area schools. We're kind of geographically out in the middle of nowhere. So if the CBC ever, you know, and obviously we're projecting, but if the CBC ever fell apart, which someday it will, whether it's five years or it's 50, it'll cease to exist at some point. It's the way these things work. We don't have easy sister schools lined up. Now, I could draw up a map, and I've actually done it many times <laughs> when I'm bored, and I could come up with a great league. Like, you know, you could say Kenton and Walpock and St. Mary's and Sydney, and like you can make a chieftain-centric league, and you can make a good league. <laughs> But the reality is a lot of these relationships are longstanding. And, you know, our league affiliation has changed over the years. Years ago, we were in the WBL. That's not a very good option. I mean, there's some schools there that, yeah, if we're playing Kenton, Walpock, St. Mary's, that's good. But uh, try to get on a bus on a Tuesday night for a junior high game to Defiance. You know, that's a problem. The MVL is kind of a sister league to the West. Those schools are pretty big. I mean, that would be tough to play Troy and Piqua and Tip and – and then you go to the East, you, you really have to go clear to Columbus and even that, their conference affiliation. So I don't want to see a shakeup. I would like to see the status quo. I think anyone that cares about Chieftain Athletics that understands this should say, we want the status quo. So I want all 12 schools to be happy. I think our league affiliation is good right now. I think it's a nice mix of schools. I think we divide it up. I'm always open, like if you're know, debating it, how we could do things differently. I don't see a lot of schools that, at this point, who else would we bring in? I mean, I think that the adding North Union, Alder, and London, that was a home run. I don't see any other schools in the wings. So, you know, we want we want Urbana, I want Urbana to be happy. I guess it's a long way of saying, yeah, I, know what you're I, saying. I value Urbana. I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't like them as far as they're our rival, but I value their league affiliation. And 
you know, maybe this will be short-lived. Maybe in a couple of years, KR will pop up and, and Urbana will go down. And well, KR, KR feels like they – oh, no, KR's already KR's on the other side. Already, what am I yeah. talking about? Yeah, KR did used to be on the other yeah. side. You know, maybe Graham will pop up a few more kids and, and uh, Urbana can get what they want. But Well, let's uh, wrap up this segment with spring sports. The baseball team went to Myrtle Beach. On that trip, they went one and three. Then earlier this week, they lost to Jonathan Alder four to two. So the Chiefs are one and four. I said this right at the beginning of our podcast. I think that record's very deceptive. Well, you know, I'd reached out to a few of the coaches, including Coach Hogue. Um, I was just curious about the trip. And you read these schools. I'm, I'm sitting here reading that they played Montano High School out of uh, Pennsylvania, East Carter High School out of Kentucky, Roman Catholic High School out of Pennsylvania, and Buchanan Upshur out of West Virginia. So obviously you read those and you have no idea what that means. I figured those schools were decent. They gave me some feedback. Sounds like the Montenegro team that we lost to um, in game one was the best team. They were 18 and six last year, took a deep run into their district tournament. Sounds like we faced a pitcher. The kid's name's Ben Carson. He's committed to play at Slippery Rock, which Slippery Rock's a decent school. I think that's a D1 school in baseball. No, D2? I don't know. Baseball has a lot more D1 schools, but maybe not. But um, school, I think Eastern PA. Um, I think it's over by Pittsburgh. No, 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 no. Pittsburgh. Slippery Rock's Pittsburgh. Between Pittsburgh and Erie. That's right. That's right. Um, So this kid sounded like he was a tough matchup. Um, I think we played him tough. And then um, played that East Carter team, which which the guys were saying was also a really good team. And um, could not hold a late lead. Yeah, blew a late lead, which I think happened twice while we were down there. I think we blew two late leads. Uh, I think Coach Hogue thought we should have at least gone two and two, if not three and one. Then we beat the West Virginia team, um, the Buchanan Upshur uh, team. But I, you know, I think he was relatively happy. It sounded like uh, Coach Brunswick gave some feedback as well that um, they thought it was a really good competition. They thought we showed some good pitching. Um, we didn't necessarily show seven, eight innings. Uh, so I think we went extras in at least one. You know, the back end we didn't do as well, but we did hit the ball some. It seemed like Riley Near had a really good um, start to his season. I was looking at the stats, and it seems like he's batting like 650, 700. Well, they're one and four, but I think this is still going to be a pretty good baseball team. I think they win more than they lose when it's all said and done. Yeah, that, I mean, that would certainly be my assumption. Um, now Alder, we lost to on Monday. Yeah. We faced their ace. Close, 2-2 um, two, two late, and they scored a – I think it's the Keith kid is their ace. Um, kid that plays football. His brother was a real good quarterback, Jonathan Keith. Yes. I think he, uh, I think he pitched against us, and I think he's pretty good. And then the Maynard kid, Coach Hogue said that uh, Chase Maynard, Jack would remember, he was a linebacker. linebacker. He's a stud. Um, yeah. He's batting like 700 in the early season as well. So Alder, is that team to beat, would you say, in the league? I'd say Alder or, or Kenton Ridge. Okay. Kenton so, Ridge is good. You know, lose, what, 3-1 to one Monday? 4-2. Four 4-2. Two. Four two. Two, I mean, 2 though, going to the bottom of the six. So. so that shows you, you know, in theory we're right there. Uh, canceled tonight, right? Yeah. And uh, so how's that work? We play Alder tomorrow? No, uh, going to play um, next uh, Tuesday. Who do we or play? Wait a minute, wait a minute, no. We play. Baseball's tomorrow, softball's next mm-hmm. Tuesday. So baseball will be Thursday. So we play Alder tomorrow. And then Urbana on Friday. Now the softball team for the Chiefs uh, right now, uh, two and two. And, and <laughs> see this is softball. Some, every game's been a shutout. The Chiefs have either lost via shutout or won by shutout. They Beat Lima Shawnee to open the season on spring break 10-0. Lost to Miamisburg 11-0. Miamisburg's Division One. They were 24-1 last year. 
And I know that Coach Reed loves numbers. They were 24-0 and lost in the tournament to Western Brown, which I'm surprised is a Division I softball team because Miami's Berks Division I. Gotcha. But uh, then the Chiefs won at Minster Saturday 3-0 and lost at Jonathan Alder Monday 3-0 as well. So they've, uh, you know, they need to get the hitting going a little bit, but I think this will be a team that has a winning record. We had Coach Bufkin on a few weeks ago. I think this is the best Bofound softball team uh, that Bofound has, has seen in a while. I don't know what Jack – if he, how much contact he has with those those players, but do you have any contact baseball or softball wise? Um, yeah, I'm friends with a bunch of them, and I think they're all optimistic and looking forward to the year. I probably know more about baseball than softball, but okay. Okay. you know, we got a D1 pitcher, Tatum Bianski, and the thing always gets me about softball that I just I think I didn't realize until maybe the last few years is how much one person pitches. You know, Tatum pitches Pretty all the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's that seems exhausting to me, I, and I'm not a softball pitcher. I've never done it. Um, I know that obviously you can do it differently than baseball, but not only and – and I've talked to her dad about this a little bit um, because their arms do hold up, but that's a grind, like mentally. But, yeah. Like you got to get on the dish, and especially if you're not hitting the ball very well. Now, yeah, if you're blowing yeah. people out and you're mowing them down, it's probably not too much of a grind. But, you know, put yourself in her shoes where she's got to climb, you know, climb on the mound and – you know, if we're not hitting the ball well and she's got to hold them and she's taking losses at times where you're like, eh, is that really, you know, the way the scoring works? It's a loss, but is it a loss? And I looked at her stats and it seemed like she maybe hadn't given up an earned run. Well, they've um, had some errors. The, the big thing would been, have been errors and just lack of hitting. But they've also played some pretty hard teams too, though. She hasn't given up an earned run in 22 innings. And unless the stats are wrong, yeah. it has her a zero. She's got 32 strikeouts, which always blows me away. I mean, those good pitchers in, in softball, they will mow them down. Yeah, and it, uh, probably a strikeout and a half or maybe two strikeouts per inning, which is just uh, dominant. Really, if you have a, a a dominant pitcher and catcher maybe up the middle infield, you, you're probably about halfway home for a good softball team. So when they get into the tournament, and this maybe just goes without saying – those teams that are winning a state title, the same girls probably pitching every game as they work their way through? Yes. No rules. No rules, uh, like innings or whatever, like right. boy, like baseball. No. They might have another pitcher. Some coaches like to vary it up. You go lefty, righty, righty, lefty. But it's usually the same one. Yeah, so I know that's way different than baseball. I know you're a big pro baseball fan. Opening day, by the way, on Thursday, the uh, Guardians and Reds. Now – Okay, so Thursday because of the lockout. Right, and uh, the Guardians today made headlines. Jose Ramirez, five-year deal, I believe, for $124 million, I believe. Neither team I – don't, I don't – you know, I don't follow it. Jack and I actually, I think we um, – I went to my last game maybe with Jack. Jack, were you at the playoff game, Cincinnati Reds 2011? I was, yes, we choked a oh, wow. 2-0 lead. We had a 2-0 right. lead on the Giants, the Giants, and we lost three in a row. How many of those games did you go to? His dad two bought tickets yeah. to the homestand. So that was back when they opened up the first two games out in San Fran. That's correct. And, and they one. came home for three, right? Right. Which that's a goofy way to do it. And I know that cuts down on I traffic. Think, I think we will, was the last one at home too, or was the last one back in San Fran? Uh, that might be right. I think it Did was. we have to go back out there for game five? Yeah, yeah I believe so. That makes more yeah. sense because I was yeah. thinking that's a disadvantage to but the. the uh, but the Reds were up 2-0. They were heartbreaking. And we were going to take it to all three year. games. Game three, uh, must, no, I think it. We'll have to look at that. I think it was home for three more games. It might have been because I think your dad bought because we had to tickets three. for all three games, and he was like, "I'm not going to that." I went to game four. Matt Latos pitched and got 
knocked out, I want to say, got knocked out of the game like super early, and it really rattled the Reds' rotation, and it just – so, yeah, a long way of saying I don't follow the Reds as much as I used to. I feel like that day kind of killed me as a fan. And I didn't purposely walk out of there and say, hey, I'm done rooting for the Reds. But I kind of it was a time in my life where I quit following. I used to follow them every day, wake up and look at the box scores. And uh, But I'm told by 97-1 when I listen in the mornings that the Reds not going to be great and neither are the They don't Guardians. try. They, don't, they literally they don't try. Okay. I'm surprised the Reds got rid of some really good players a few weeks ago. Yeah. I didn't get that. Now, why are you surprised at that? Because, I mean, because they weren't that far away last year. But they've year, been doing that for about 30-some years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really does seem like that's what the Reds do. Well, but, I mean, they were pretty close last year, I thought, to being right right there. And they're cheap. They're really – yeah, I don't, I don't support the Reds. still Castellanos? Bob Castellanos. Castellanos. Well, you're talking Castellini, about the owner. the owner. Yeah. Castellini. Castellini. Sell the team. It's kind of what he does. Like, yeah, I mean, I think back, to, uh, there's been some other runs where they get some good players and then, well, we got to rebuild. Um, but, yeah, you're just perpetually in rebuild mode. Yeah. Guys, we're going to take a break, come back and talk to the amateur radio club from Bell Fountain High. Those kids have put together quite a plan to connect with NASA. It's really quite an unbelievable story. We'll come back with more Chieftain Roll Call right after this, presented by Eastern Water Solutions. Your water, is it great? Or does it stain, smell, or take a bunch of soap to make bubbles? I'm Julie McCormick at Easton Water Solutions, and we have the equipment that can actually fix your water. We offer low prices and easy payment plans to fit your budget. We also offer a lifetime parts warranty on our softeners. At Easton, we fix your water with a money-back guarantee. Give me a call at 592-8379 or stop in at 1040 South Main Street. Easton Water Solutions, your neighbor for everything water. Hi, I'm Julie McCormick with Easton Water Solutions, your hometown water fixing company. I live outside of West Liberty and have been known as the water lady around here for more than 13 years. One of the best parts of my position is meeting and serving people in our county, not only fixing their water, but serving others through church, Kiwanis, the chamber, and other fun and sometimes necessary events that come up throughout the year. Our team at Easton Water is the only local choice for everything water. Call us today at 592-8379 or better yet, stop in and say hello. Welcome back to Chief and Roll Call presented by Easton Water Solutions. We spotlight Bell Fountain Athletics and Bell Fountain organizations. This is really a, an interesting one, uh, something that uh, I think will make news all across Ohio later this month. Bell Fountain Amateur Radio Club, which is really in its infancy here, is put together a plan and an effort to uh, connect with the International Space Station so they'll get to talk to astronauts at Bell Fountain High School. How cool and unusual is it? I'm calling it a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. We'll see. Angie Horbath is here. She is the gifted coordinator of Bell Fountain City Schools, so she works with kids K-12, through but we're kind of focusing high school right now with these two young guys with uh, Neil Kaufman and Simon Kaufman. Their brother's not here, Evan Kaufman, but he's a key player in this. I'll let Angie give the background. This goes back to last school year, but it will be front and center later this month. Um, yeah. Um, we started, the Amateur Radio Club was started by um, Evan Kaufman last year when he was a senior. Um, he was our valedictorian um, of last year's graduating class, and he had um, started the Amateur Radio Club. And he came to me about doing a proposal where we could um, connect with an astronaut on the International Space Station using amateur radio and asked if it was okay if he wrote, wrote a proposal to try to get that. Um, it's a very, very elite program. Um, one, we're one of six schools in the nation to be chosen. 
um, and they get hundreds of applications. So it was really a big deal when we found out that we were chosen. Um, it was all student-led. Evan did it all on his own. All I did was sign a paper at the end that said, yes, I would be okay doing this. Um, so it's been very exciting. And Evan, of course, graduated and went off to college. And so that's why we've got um, Neil and Simon with us because they're kind of taking the reins now because they're the leaders now in our amateur radio club. Yeah, they're his younger brothers. Neil is a junior at Bell Fountain High, and Simon is a freshman at Bell Fountain High. And, uh, you know, if the Kaufman name goes way back. Dr. Roger Kaufman, their grandfather, served our community for years. Their dad, Dr. Ryan Kaufman, has been a longtime uh, practicing physician. So a lot of families know the Kaufmans, great family. And I know their mom is very involved with the academic boosters. Valerie does a lot with Angie. They yes. work hand in hand in a lot of events. So I want to go back to a couple things the last school year. Then we'll let uh, Neil and Simon really take the show away. First, how did Bell Fountain High get this amateur radio club? What, what happened? Um, I think it was something that, that um, Evan was highly interested in. I, Neil, did you yeah. help some of that? Well, I think basically Evan just kind of wanted to get the whole thing started. I think my dad suggested that maybe they start the club just for just to see what they where it'd go. And then they saw that they could apply to talk to astronauts at the International Space Station. So he tried it, not expecting to go anywhere from that. But then he heard back from them that they were accepted for that. So they got to talk with them. We had to talk with them later. That's Simon giving us that, that answer. So last school year, do you, do you remember how many kids were a, a member of the uh, amateur radio club? Well, at that point, we just had the minimum need, which was, uh, I think it was four officially, but then we're trying to grow it. But yeah, just a lot of, it's kind of hard to convince people always to come and join this foreign So small club. but mighty. Small but mighty, that, yeah. I don't know much about amateur radio. Some might, people might call it ham. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know that Neil and Simon are both licensed, Evan's licensed as well. Uh, we're going to talk about NASA a bunch here in a minute, guys. But how do we even become a member of not only your club at Bell Fountain High, some of our listeners are going to be older than high school folks, but how do you get involved in that kind of a, a hobby or an activity like that? Well, there's like there's many ways you can do this. Like there's lots of online you need online testing things that allow you to uh, like study for these tests. You need to take a test, which is like a 30-question test. To get licensed, and then once you're licensed, then you can communicate with people and all around with people. And there's plenty of community members that also are licensed. So if you want to get helped up in the field, there are people out in the community that can help you with that. And uh, also, there's several. There's three levels actually, in which uh, basically, if you're willing to, you can take the later test, and then you get additional privileges and operate on different bands. And there is, I've learned from going through this process, there is a Logan and Champaign County um, Amateur Radio Club that is the adult club that is partnered with our BHS club to bring this NASA experience to us. Yeah, and uh, Angie talked about it a few minutes ago. The kids will connect with the International Space Station uh, sometime a little bit after Easter. We don't have a specific date, but it will be most likely that week right after Easter. Was that something that was on Evan's mind? Did he get that ball rolling? Did he talk to you guys about that uh, a few months back? Yeah, he started to talk about that. I mean, you can't know exactly when the date on that is, and I think it was kind of the plan of see what where his college stuff goes with that, but can't exactly know because the International Space Station is, there's just a lot of unknowns about exactly when everything happens and all that, but well, he knew it was going to be approximately sometime around this time in April. And part of the challenge lies in the fact that we're actually making the communication over radio. So we have to wait till they line up with us. So that way we can 
like use our radios and they use their radios because uh, sometimes you just simply can't connect because they're on the wrong part of the world. Wow, that's interesting. And what stands out to me, and this is where it's really a, a privilege and a, a crowning moment for Bell Fountain High right now, Bell Fountain City Schools is, I would sh- I'm guessing hundreds or maybe thousands of schools applied. Uh, when we look at all the schools in the U.S., but only one of six get a chance to do this later this month, and Bell Fountain High is, is one of them. When you students heard that Bell Fountain was selected, what was your reaction? I was always excited to hear about this, which Evan was the one that was mostly doing a lot of the writing and application for that, which there's a lot of, uh, I mean, obviously his writing is pretty good in that sense because there's a lot of, like, universities and stuff that were some of the other ones that were selected that were much bigger organizations. And and that was something I learned um, when they actually reached out and let us know that we were chosen. They were completely floored that, the proposal was written by a student and a high school student at that because they said it's usually written by an amateur radio club high school advisor and adult universities like Simon just said. So that even made it even more powerful. Well, Evan was valedictorian last school year and uh, he was one of the first stories I did. I started back in July last summer and Evan and I met for this story in August and I was just looking at his writing he can really write. I mean, that's that's a, one of his, I know he's got a lot of academic uh, pursuits and maybe degrees of excellence, but he's a very good writer, which that does matter because you're selling your school or your club. They don't get to, they're not going to drive around to each school and check it out. That's exactly. not how it's going to work. It's too big of a, a group, too big of a process. When Bell Fountain High does connect with the International Space Station, and Angie could talk about this, probably the logistics. I know it'll be a big day in our auditorium. But then what happens if you're not Bell Fountain High, maybe you're a middle school student. How can you watch this uh, unfold? Yeah, actually, we are setting this up so that anyone who wants to can um, watch it live stream, via live stream. Um, We will have actually in um, Houston, um, they will be watching NASA, will be watching um, Mission, what's that called? Mission Mission Control. Control. Yeah, Mission Control will be watching it live via our live stream. So the Bell Fountain High School TV production crew has also come on board with this project because they're going to be live streaming the event. Um, All of the schools um, can join in via the external live stream and everybody in the K through 12 here at Bell Fountain City Schools will be watching it back in their classrooms. And it's a, you know, it's a short segment, maybe 10, 15 minutes long. Yeah, the total live stream will be about 40 minutes. Um, There'll be an opening, um, an introduction. Um, We'll watch a short video on amateur radio so that anybody who is interested in learning about amateur radio or what is amateur radio you know some people have no idea what that is so it's going to educate them on what that is then of course they'll watch the 10 10 12 minute contact with the astronaut and then we'll have a wrap-up shortly after simon and neil do you or your colleagues have any questions already worked up what what i should just ask you what do you want to get out of it what would you like to Ask an astronaut. You could practice right now on cheap to so roll call. Basically, what we had is we asked a bunch of like the other people in other schools, like kids out there, and then we selected through those to choose what we want. And so these are these questions are going to be coming from like kids anywhere from like elementary school up. Oh, so not just people in your club. Yeah, it could be, could be younger students as well. Yeah. Yeah, actually, we're going to have 10. So there's 10 students who were chosen to ask the astronaut questions. Um, The Amateur Radio Club decided which of those questions to ask. They had to be NASA approved. So that's in the process of happening right now. NASA is approving the questions to be asked. So there will be 10 other students from kindergarten through eighth grade who will be in the auditorium and actually speaking to the astronaut and asking 
their individual question. Really? So no high school kids? Correct. The High School Amateur Radio Club, actually, it was, I was surprised myself when I found out that news. They said they really wanted to let the kindergarten through eighth grade kids come in and ask the questions because they really their ultimate goal is to get a lot of people excited and involved in amateur radio. Yeah, good so, thinking. It's a yeah. recruiting tool then. <laughs> yeah. So, Simon, if you were a grade younger, you might be one of them, correct? Maybe. I'm just trying to give the opportunity out for others, though, because it's important for me to like keep connected with the school and keep everyone connected. Well, this is obviously a big deal and a big month for the Amateur Radio Club of Bell Fountain High, but once April is behind us, what will happen next? I know we only have a few weeks of school left. We're done May 19th, but even as we go into next school year, where, where do you want to see this club go? Well, uh, we're, we might do some uh, like projects, like, for example... Like making a dipole antenna is fairly simple, and stuff like that kind of demonstrate how, like, if you really want to, you can get into it, and you can even make your own radios, and then maybe get some people licensed so then they can talk. Though at the moment, people can also talk on the school call sign, which is through the school club, without actually having to get the license themselves. Oh, okay. You're trying to make it a little easier then. Very, very yeah, good. and it's just a bunch of, like, recruiting to help the club grow a bit and all, because right now I'm the... I'm the trustee of the club call sign, which is under, because there's a W8BCS call sign, which is basically what we're going to be broadcasting under for the space station contact. And so the goal is to grow people and get people interested and, yeah, get people licensed and, and goal to be able to pass that, that call sign on to somebody else. How often do you folks, Simon and Neil, get on the radio and talk to people? Um, I get on the radio pretty frequently under my own call. And you can talk to people all over the world. Like, I've recently talked to somebody in Antarctica and... South Africa and all over the, any place that you can imagine there's people that are out there talking. Wow. So like every week, every day you're, you're on it? I mean, depends. With school stuff and busier over the summer, I was able to do a fair amount more. But Well, in the world we live in now and not with the internet and social media, we're obviously pretty much connected. But it would be timely to me, this is just being a, a Joe citizen, to talk to some people in Ukraine. That would be interesting. Yeah, you'll uh, find people from kind of all over the place because this can also be used. Amateur radio can be used for emergency contact too. Okay. Like if something, if phones and all that were to go down, then you could communicate with people because it's just communicating from antenna to antenna. So there's certain antennas that broadcast radio waves much further than others. Are amateur radios mobile, by the way? Yeah, there are some mobile radios okay. out there. They're much smaller radios and have shorter distances due to the wavelength of the. But you can get ones that like. They're, they're just called handhelds. They're like the size of maybe a bulky phone, for example. And they can be like, as the name implies, they're handheld. And it can reach the local repeater, which fortunately, due to our position in Ohio, actually reaches fairly far. And then so you can talk to, even with your tiny little radio, you can talk to a bunch of people in the area, anyone who might happen to be listening. Can you get out of state with that signal? It uh, depends. With that sort of signal... Oh, you can get out of state. Just depends because the band conditions alter quite a bit depending on solar activity and all that. But yeah, the repeater's located on High Point, just up there, so it's well, pretty good propagation. Going back to my generation, it'd be like a walkie-talkie, but with a lot more oomph. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now, with, now with people always have cell phones. I didn't have that back during the time of growing up years for Angie and myself. Yeah. Angie, anything else you'd like to say about, about NASA? I know you've worked on this. This, uh, this kind of spotlights what you do, too, so a big kudos to you and the Amateur Radio Club and 
really both found city schools, but anything else you'd like to say in closing about this? Yeah, I do. I, I also want to give a shout out, which we forgot to mention. Um, Nate Arbogast is the Amateur Radio Club advisor. Um, so when Evan um, decided to start this club last year, they needed an advisor and um, he stepped right up and is doing that. Hmm. He's been a big part of this as well. He couldn't be here this evening, but he's taken over the questions and any of the things with the Amateur Radio Club themselves. He's really helped a lot because I'm like you, Bill. I don't have any knowledge of it at all. The boys keep teaching me as we go along what all of this means. But um, I think what I'd like to do is just invite the community to join us on that day. We're going to be getting that out on um, the Facebook page. We'll have you get that out of exactly when the contact is going to be. We've got it narrowed down to um, with NASA that it'll be the Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday after Easter. It'll be one of those three days, but we'll get an exact time here hopefully next week, and we'll start getting that out. We've got a lot of... Um, state local state and local dignitaries that are going to be coming and joining us and so it's going to be a really big deal we'd like to have as many people join the live stream and join us as possible all right is there any certain website to go to for that or that's just school no what do you guys know there is a website that everybody could visit right now that is your um that has it has the air's contact information on it, but also just has their local radio club is that in there somewhere Simon? yeah so uh if you go to www w8bcs.com you can find out more information on kind of the club in general and some stuff that's happening oh sorry dot org for that but you can just find out it talks about the of the astronaut information which there's three astronauts that we might be talking to it, one of them is an ohioan that that was from ohio and then the other two are also people that may be going to the moon in the future within the next few years so those are the people that we may be talking to or and, we'll be talking to. And that website he just shared is a wealth of information, again, put together by Evan and you boys. Um, I think all three of you guys were a part of that, putting that website together. And that website has amateur radio club information, but there is a special tab just for this contact as well for, to talk. And that's under the International Space Station tab on the website. Yeah, I want to see if I can see that paper here real quickly, Simon, as we close our show. Simon and Neil, thanks for coming on, by the way. Really appreciate what you do, and Evan as well. I know Evan's not here, but boy, he, he put a lot of work into this. He might have a future for writing proposals, yeah. whatever industry <laughs> he goes into. I mean, if you yeah. can get NASA hooked up with your high school, he's off to a pretty strong start. Angie, thanks for all you do every day at Belfound City Schools. Thank you. Angie is the gift coordinator for grades K through 12. Thanks to Simon Kaufman, his older brother, Neil Kaufman, and their oldest brother who wasn't here, Evan Kaufman, for their efforts to get well, Pound City Schools linked up with NASA. So that will be a few days after Easter. Earlier in the show, thanks to Jack Varner and Rick Reed. It is Chieftain Roll Call. It's presented by East and Water Solutions. Each week, we come to you from the WBCS studios at the Belfound High School campus. Then it comes out a day or two later. Thanks to all those that make it happen each week. For all of our crew, I'm Bill Tipple saying have a good day. <laughs>